The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart and I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Our first guest, this episode aired on June 4th, 2021. It was episode 45, and the guest was Mr. Paul Broden. Um, the episode is titled The San Francisco Hell. And I feel like this title apropos to uh, the reality of the situation of houselessness, not just in Los Angeles, but all across the world. And Mr. Broden creates a creative insight and gives a historical background that is lacking sometimes in understanding how deep and deeply entrenched this crisis is. Uh, we see what the end results of it is, but it just didn't miraculously start from nowhere. And Mr. Broden graciously tells us how it started and what we can do to uh, basically try to turn this thing around. Take a listen. If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to This is CEO Henderson from Weedy and House, and we are here in San Francisco to one of the earlier creators and one of the founders who have had lived experience of being unhoused. Uh, he is right now, we're in one of this very elaborate and very creative uh, uh, art space, which activism <coughs> is married into it. So without further ado, here we are with Mr. Paul Broden. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. <clears throat> so tell us a little bit of what's your inspiration and how uh, did you get intertwined with this kind of uh, work you do? Well, I was homeless, but I was homeless in a really different way than most people in terms of 
I was homeless the old school way. My mom died and my father was an asshole and kicked us out. So at, it was a, a realization that it's no bullshit to say there's two Americas. <laughs> like, there's the America that you see on TV and that they try to convince us exists, and we're all created equal, and we all have an opportunity. And that's the rich guys and the wealthy, even the upper middle class guys like I was. And then there's the reality for poor people, and they just ain't the fucking same. And as somebody that experienced both, up until I was 15, I was one of the privileged white class, and then I became one of the broke-ass white class. I was still white class, that's for goddamn sure. And um, I just got really fucking pissed off. And maybe it's because I grew up so entitled I couldn't believe that this was how we were treating motherfuckers in this country. And I got pissed off, and I've been pissed off ever since. And now it's been 37 years, and I'm still just as fucking pissed off, and I'm still going to fight till we deal with this shit once and for all. I have to say, young, when you stated this, what was the shock when you, because you said you lived a privileged life, what was the shock when, what, what shook you when you became unhoused and out on the street, what what just shook you out that made you very aware that there was a two different America? When I started helping people do the food stamp application forms when I was coming up off the street, and I realized I got kicked out of three high schools. I never finished the shit. And once my mom died, I was bouncing all over the place. And, and, and because of the elementary schools that I went to, because of the junior high schools I went to, I, I was hanging out with friends that had high school degrees and couldn't fill out those fucking applications. And, and that's just one example. It was also like you look at who's running poverty programs and homeless programs and you look at who's sleeping there. It's two different worlds. What, I'm qualified to earn you money by being homeless, but I'm not qualified to get any of that money in my pocket so I ain't fucking homeless no more? When we first started out in the early 80s, Everybody working in homeless shit was homeless. The paychecks were $10,000 a year. We were trying to put ourselves out of a job. We were like, what the fuck's going on? What are all these people doing in the streets? You know, Hospitality House had been around for years, and they used to close at 11 o'clock at night. All of a sudden, they're closing at 11 o'clock at night, and their people, their community members, are standing there. And, and people are like, well, why aren't you going home? Well, I don't got a fucking home. Well, crash here, brother. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the mindset. Crash here and let's fight together to end this shit. Now, 37 years later, it's, you know, $50,000, $60,000, $80,000 paychecks to, to document it and to do intakes and to do vulnerability index and homeless management. That's not going to end homelessness. Addressing racism and classism and neoliberalism in America, that will end homelessness. But you think you're going to life skills train me? You're going to rehabilitate me to fit back into society like St. Vincent de Paul says? <laughs> right. No, it's society that's fucking broke, not the people. The human beings are human beings. They, they ain't broke or not broke. They're just human beings. And, and we need to recognize, you know, prior to 82, we didn't have massive contemporary homelessness. We had racism. We had classism. We had addiction. We had mental illness. We had all that shit, yeah, at every economic tier. Mm -hmm. But we didn't have massive homelessness. Mm -hmm. 83, we were opening shelters across the country, and FEMA was funding our fucking homeless programs. 
direct connection to neoliberalism, part of the Reagan revolution, wiping out affordable housing funding. And now we're 800,000 units of affordable housing less than we were before we opened our homeless programs, and we're wondering why the fuck our coordinated intake system isn't ending the problem. Because your coordinated intake system is the fucking problem. I have a question, too, because I, I, you touched on some things that I want to take a step back and examine a little more. It's because I've noticed, like, that it's been seen to be the panacea for dealing with people that are unhoused, is that they are believing that if they get jobs, if they uh, stay off drugs, or if they stay on their medication, that magically unhoused people are going to be unhoused. Or I hear another uh, argument is, like, they are using broken systems like the shelters and telling people just to stick it out, uh, swallow your pride, and to deal with what the abuse or the toxicity that allows or that is thriving in these places instead of dealing with the systematic errors. What is your insight on that? That when you look at poverty, when you look at our welfare system, when you look at our food stamp system, you look at our whatever, like Goodwill, United Way, like this goes back to the 60s and the war on, on poverty when the 501c3 nonprofit monsters were created in the first place. Mm -hmm. When the federal government wants to ignore an issue or they want to kill a revolution, they fund it. And when people started organizing to fight back about the fact that homelessness was emerging in the early 80s, the government did what the government does the government started funding homeless programs. And as soon as the government started funding homeless programs, first it was the local and FEMA money and who gets it and who doesn't get it and how much and what do you have to do to earn it. Like, like in the old days, we didn't do intakes for a shelter bed. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know your date of birth. I don't even know, need to know your real name, quite fucking frankly. We don't need that for a shelter bed. But now you in San Francisco, you got to give a finger image so you can be tracked through the homeless management system and shit. And you, the, the vulnerability index coordinated intake bullshit is everywhere because the feds are mandating it, the feds are funding it, and the feds are controlling what's happening at the local level. It has an element of criminality to it. It's like they look like they're tracking people in like in a criminal kind of setting. Like if they can pull your, inf your, your fingerprint or your personal information, they can hunt you down if they choose to. Well, I mean, think of it. 37 years after the advent of contemporary homelessness, and we're still sweeping people for sleeping outdoors, and we're still calling it camping. Like, hell, even calling it sweep, it's an attack. You're displacing people from where they are. That's not a sweep, that's an eviction, that's an attack, it's, it's oppression, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so we use this language, oh, they're camping. Then that, I'm surviving, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I didn't decide, oh, hey, Bobby, let's go camping. <laughs> like, that's bullshit. I, but the language is from the dominant culture. Mm -hmm. The dominant culture is the rich white motherfuckers. And the system works really good for them. Mm -hmm. And so if something's falling out, if there's a problem somewhere in the way the system's functioning, it's got to be the problem of those who are being oppressed. Mm -hmm. And if the system ain't working for you, it's because there's something wrong with you. And we have to keep reinforcing that. And what's the first question a person gets when they're homeless and they go to an agency for help? Name, date of birth, social security number. And then the very first question is, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? 
That's What's cool. wrong with me is I was born in a country of colonizing motherfuckers that are implementing systems that are oppressing me. That's mm -hmm. what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And if we could address that, you wouldn't need a fucking homeless program. You wouldn't need nonprofit service providers. You wouldn't need charity because you'd have social justice. I have a question to you, and I want your perspective on it. There's a lot of communication and talk going around about tiny homes. And for me, of course, I'm against them because what I've seen in Los Angeles and I see with some of the social service agencies, there's a toxic marrying with uh, just it's temporary to take, put up with the abuse or put up with the prison type of lifestyle until you get out of it. But we have seen by over 30 years by now, as you stated yourself, that that has never been, um, been a fruitful uh fruitful solution. So what's your what's your intake on or your take on uh, tiny homes? I, I mean, from a, is this going to get us to a place that we don't need that that we have housing as a human right for all people? I don't think so. Um, and and I say that because there's the cause and effect. We we uh, we eliminated 800,000 units of housing. We wiped out affordable housing funding, and that led to contemporary homelessness. So, or to the level of it that we see today. Mm -hmm. And so let's let's deal with that. And if if people had the option of tiny homes, fucking a, more power to you. Because mm -hmm. I would take a tiny home over a fucking shelter bed in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I think talking to most homeless people, you give me the option, tiny home or a shelter bed. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the tiny home every fucking time. But I would have took an SR, I did when I was coming up, mm -hmm. took an SRO room and I thought that was my tiny home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's having your own keys and your own control. The the tiny homes and... Yeah, but that's just it, though. The tiny homes aren't, uh, they are having, they have to have curfew. They have police searches. That's the government-funded tiny homes. Uh -huh. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of, like, Denver Homeless Out Loud is part of a community called, the, you know, that, that does tiny homes. But the people living there mm -hmm. are managing and running that shit. Right. Not, not the not service that, Exactly. That's, when that's the, the for the government to fund tiny homes, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's the distinction. So those are running around uh, hyping the uh, tiny homes. Yeah, because it's cheaper than actually putting a like. First of all, tiny homes ignores families completely, mm -hmm. um, and and it's ironic that we we say a family living in an SRO no longer counts as being homeless. They're they're poorly housed now, according to the feds. Mm -hmm. um, like that's the kind of mindset. Well, if we can just ignore families, they'll disappear, they'll go away because if they're out there with their kids, we'll come and take their fucking kids yes. from them. Yeah, they, so they're... so like. Tiny homes feeds into that into that frame. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the problem is these single. It's the chronic homeless initiative. You know, the problem is single adult visible homeless people in urban corridors. Mm -hmm. And so some cities are talking about, well, give us HUD money to do tiny homes to address the problem of homelessness. No, motherfucker. You, you know. Like, that's not going to do it. And any time your housing is contingent upon the good graces of a fucking social worker to determine are you rehabilitating yourself enough in order to merit living here, you got a serious fucking problem. Like, I, I why agree. is it why is it we're supposed to have tenant rights, but in supportive housing programs, we don't. You have to be disabled to get into a supportive housing program, and as soon as you act out be your disability, mm -hmm. they kick you the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's an eviction moratorium. The private landlords are supposed to not be evicting people, but our service providers still are. 
I was gonna say on that very uh, wings of that, I noticed on the, on your your file cabinet that you have homeless builders' rights. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, the, the Right to Rest Act, which we did in California with our brothers at L.A. Can and shit, um, the Right to Rest Act looked at, we talked to 1,700 homeless people, documented. Mm -hmm. I have all 1,700 forms still. Mm -hmm. I keep waiting for somebody to say, oh, you guys are full of shit, let me see the forms, because I got them, so, of course, no one is saying that. But, um, and sleeping, sitting, and laying down, uh, sleeping, sitting, and standing still mm -hmm. were the top three criminal offenses that people were being hit with. And we were talking about 12 cities, seven states, 1,700 surveys, and those were far and away. So the organizers being what, what we're doing wrote our own legislation that we've gotten introduced in Oregon. It's running right now in mm -hmm. Oregon, Colorado, and California in the past to mm -hmm. decriminalize the act of sleeping, laying down, sitting, standing, eating, serving food, to decriminalize the life-sustaining activities that we all do. We're all going to sleep. We're all going to sleep, uh, eat. We're all going to sit down. We're all going to rest. Mm -hmm. But some of us go to jail for resting, and others don't. And, and what we say is we can no longer trust that the law is going to be enforced equally because they're not, and they never have been. You look at the sundown towns, the Antioche laws, mm -hmm. the Basarero Treaty, the ugly laws. Mm -hmm. This country has a long-ass history. Mm -hmm. From the days of colonization to today, local governments have been given the legal authority to cre to pass laws that they then discriminatorily enforce mm -hmm. and so the right to rest act is saying to the local governments you've abused your authority you've ab you're like a drunk driver that just keeps on fucking drinking we're mm -hmm. taking your car keys away mm -hmm. you can no longer pass these laws and you can no longer criminalize standing still if it's in non-obstructive manner sleeping if it's in a non-obstructive manner because the act of sleeping shouldn't be a crime mm -hmm. the act of standing still the act of sitting down the act of eating the act of going to the bathroom the act of going to the goddamn bathroom and the first time we ran the bill in california you know there was editorials that said the streets would be flowing with urine and feces mm -hmm. as if that's what people want to do <laughs> like no asshole so, like, we, we feel really strongly that everything we do in addressing this issue and organizing and connecting with our cities together has to be in the human rights context of addressing the root causes of it. And the root causes is the racism and classism and neoliberalism in America. Which brings up another question. How many people do you need to start a revolution? Well, we made that poster yeah. for you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know I'm going on. <laughs> yeah. No, we, 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 we know how many people we need, and we know we got more than enough of them because we got, what, 40, 50 million people living in poverty in this country. Mm -hmm. And one of the key aspects of the organizing is to connect poor people that are housed with poor people that are unhoused because it's the same fucking people. Hope Six taught us that in a nutshell. You know, and others, the welfare reform, the contract on America, mm -hmm. all that shit. But Hope Six was like, how could we have two separate organizing campaigns here? Because mm -hmm. the people that are currently in housing are being made homeless because of Hope Six. Thousands.
thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of families ended up in the fucking street, being given a voucher that the fucking landlords won't take, mm -hmm. being given a time limit of how long you can find a landlord to take it, mm -hmm. while you're demolishing units of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just criminal. It's callous, it's fucking brutal, and it's criminal. It should be criminal. Mm -hmm. um, so... I was going to say, you know, you're saying, because many times uh, society, presidents, governors, city council members, and elected officials utilize to galvanize people against poor people by stating the most things that will get them off their doldrums. And that's talking about war, war on drugs, war on crime, war, war on, on poverty. poverty. So, so, uh, so what I wanted to say is, like, how can we fight the war at home? What do you mean when you say fight the war at home and end houselessness? Um, I mean, one of the key aspects in, in terms of how politicians have been able, and the mainstream media have been able to galvanize oppressive and, and, and galvanize support for oppressive policies, mm -hmm. is to demonize the people that are targeted with the policy. Mm -hmm. And when you read in the newspaper, you hear it on the radio, you see it on fucking TV, sure as hell see it in the internet, that we're dangerous, we're drug addicts, we're mentally ill, and most importantly, we're from somewhere else. Yes, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Once you've got that locked into people's heads, and this is the most important thing about the organizing, because don't think poor people don't read the newspaper and watch TV, and, and they hear it. And mm -hmm. when at Hospitality House, when I was starting out, people would come in to see me to get help and they'd say, I'm not like those motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Those motherfuckers are crackheads. Mm -hmm. And then they would go sit down. The next person would come in and be pointing at them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not individually, but you know, I'm not the like them. Yeah, absolutely. Because they buy the shit too. You mm -hmm. hear it often enough it becomes true. If you're told from the time you're born that you're stupid, by the time you grow up, you're going to be stupid. I like that one too because of the earlier... Uh, uh, psychology experiments that they did on young black kids saying that they were horrible and dirty and this and the ones the kids that were not whereas the white kids i had last yesterday interviewed one of the unhoused in oakland and she was regurgitating some of that internalized unhoused bias yeah. well i'm not like those people or i tell my children that i'm camping i don't want them to see me like this so i mean we drink into those harmful yeah. images as well yeah so. we we look in the mirror and we we think well, I know it's not me, but it must be true because mm -hmm. I keep hearing it. Mm -hmm. And and we've been doing that around keeping the classes, keeping mm -hmm. the poor from the rich from the like my way up the ladder to to security is to keep you down. Mm -hmm. Like so that divide and conquer shit isn't just a slogan. Like that is an uh, political strategy in order to achieve the smallest minority of people getting the greatest amount of power and wealth. Mm -hmm. And when, so for me, the reason we started the Homeless Coalition and shit was like, no, no, the problem here is they think each other are fucking drug addicts and shit. Like, we need to build a collective understanding that we're all fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's where, where we use our street theater all the time and our artwork all the time. And, like... Our, our beauty is who the fuck we are. And we, too. <laughs> and we shouldn't project that, well, hey, I used to be homeless. I'm not homeless anymore, so I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. Fuck that shit, motherfucker. 
I believe like art, this is one of the reasons that um, keeps me going and doing this podcast to express the medium of art through telling these stories in a humane way, showing that there is no yardstick or means testing way. Uh, we all are in the same boat uh, in some respects. We're actually, I should say, in the same storm. Some of us got life jackets. Some of us are drowning. Some of us are hanging on. And some of us don't even have any clothes to be able to, uh, to, to offset the storm. So I feel that that's very, very important. One of the things I've been looking at here is like I noticed that you have a connection with when you say Earth Day, you're connecting with the, uh, the environment as well with food justice. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I mean, you hear a lot of organizers talk about, well, we need to stop silo-based organizing. We need to connect to our issues together. And, and it's true, and it's a great conversation, but at some point you need to stop talking about doing that and doing it. And artwork and the, the Right to Rest Act, the Right to Rest Act would not just defend homeless people. Nobody could be arrested for that shit. Like, like I think that in all we do, we need to make sure that the shit we're pushing for is for all people. And Absolutely. so, you know, yeah, our issues are a myriad of issues because our issues are about human beings and human beings, what is that Audre Lorde's awesome quote? Uh, human beings don't live single issue lives. Mm -hmm. And so single issue organizing isn't gonna address humanity. Mm -hmm. And in order to address the issues that, that we come from, we need to connect to the other issues of oppression. And if we don't think the native people in America are being oppressed, then we got a serious fucking problem, our problem. <laughs> and so, so we try to manifest that. And it's easier for us to do it with the art, you know, and, and to do it with legislation and with major campaigns we're running. Once we got to the place where, like with the Right to Rest Act, even at first we were talking about, well, we're not really criminals. Mm -hmm. and, and a couple of the abolitionists, the prison industrial abolitionists were like, so what? So it's okay to lock some people up and not homeless people? Like, what the fuck game are we playing here? Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh, shit, yeah, man, we need to watch our fucking language. We need to watch how we're framing our reality because our reality should be all of us and should encompass all of our issues. Mm -hmm and not be single-issue based shit. So here it is. It's like, how many people do you need to start a revolution? I believe one person at a time can be able to open the door and to inspire many people. And here it is, Mr. Paul Broding has had 37 years of experience and he has some insightful words. Mr. Broding, I thank you for your time. And I was going to say, do you have anything else to say before I log off? Well, just that people should recognize 37 years of experience of getting your ass kicked don't make you a fucking expert on the issue that you're talking about. So, so the shit I say is the shit I've learned over time and the shit that I've seen from the awesome groups like L.A. Ken and Denver Homeless Out Loud and the Homeless Coalition, you know, um, like it's we all we're all learning as we fucking go. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and Howes, and I, we've learned a lot here, and I thank you all for listening. Uh, may we again meet in the light of understanding.
The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart and I'm very forgiving, but like don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.